Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob, and I'm a Fuda fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudafan.com. And this is episode 38 of Tokyo Inklings. Welcome, welcome. So,、um, before we start, Jacob, you know what we do? Is it, is it review time? It is review time. All right, so we have, we have two reviews today. The first one is a five star review by Steve PHL via Apple Podcasts from the United States. Steve PHL says, Thanks for the insights. Tokyo Inklings is a must listen podcast for anyone interested in Japanese fountain pens and stationery. It used to be that US pen shows consisted of old men and their smelly old Parker 51s. Now there seems to be a younger, more diverse generation of pen geeks interested in more colorful pens. This podcast is for them. Two things I love about this podcast. One, that Jacob and CY take the time to seek out other fountain pen artisans and purveyors and ask them smart questions on the behalf of their listeners. Their questions show deep respect for others in the community, and their insights are not something I could get anywhere else. Second, that Tokyo Inklings podcast breaks down the business side of fountain pens and stationery, making phone calls for business intelligence or finding, interpreting corporate reports for us. Again, nowhere else can we get this level of detail. Well, thanks, Steve PHL. We really enjoy doing it.、Um, I think a part Of the fun for us is that, you know, we really get to learn also about this,、uh, this hobby, more about the business side. You know, personally, I'm very interested in the business side. I know, Jacob, you have an interest in, you know, really their, their,、um, the financial part of their business side as well.、Um, whereas I'm more into like the logistical part of their business side. But, anyways, I think the, the entire thing, the entire exercise is quite enjoyable for both of us. So, thank you very much. We're really glad that you find that interesting as well. What is fun for us is that we weren't, I mean, we didn't know this stuff to begin with, right? So、yep. every episode is a, is a reason for us to do research to figure stuff out. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, second uh, review we're going to read today is from Silently Free via Apple Podcasts from the United States of America. And Silently Free writes five stars down the rabbit hole. Alice followed a rabbit into Wonderland. I followed CY down the fountain pen rabbit hole. My pockets are now considerably lighter, but I have some sparkly fountain pens that bring me joy. But as with all hobbies, the joy is exponential when shared with, fellow,、uh, with a fellow enthusiast. CY and Jacob have a way of putting you at ease as they give you a tour through Japan's fountain pen scene. Their playful banter makes you feel as though you're in the company of good friends, and their knowledge and expertise is invaluable to the fountain pen devotee. I cannot recommend their podcast enough! Exclamation mark. Thank you. That's a good one. Thank you for that. Yes, thank you very much, Silently Free. And,、um, You know, at the, ever, at the beginning of every episode, we like to read reviews because these reviews really help us, and actually not only us, but it actually helps other fellow listeners, you know, catch up to the、mm. podcast, figure out, hey, what is it all about?、Um, you know, wh- what's this, what's this、uh, fountain pen thing?、Uh, what's this, you know, Tokyo Inklings thing? And, you know, writing a review really helps us because it, it, it's a validation. Of why you find it interesting, and you know, we're, we're all pretty much similar people in, in the community,、uh, even though we have a lot of obviously diverse interests, but we're similar in the, in the sense that you know, we all really like fountain pens, and you know, 
um, if you have a friend who who also happens to like fountain pens, maybe they'll like this podcast as well. So you know your written reviews really help us with that because it's one more layer to persuading people to listen to the podcast. So really encourage everybody to, if you can, um, help us write a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be really, really, really appreciated. Um, another thing you can do is you know make it a uh, Instagram post, make an Instagram story, tell your friends, tell your family, talk about us on Reddit, talk about us on your Facebook groups. Um, all those things really help get the podcast out to to other people as well. So really, really thank everybody for that. And just sort of tangential to that, but I want to take it, <laughs> the opportunity to just say thank you to uh, Brad Dowdy for mentioning us in our latest uh, Pen Addict episode. And we much appreciated that. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you very much always uh, to Brad as well. Um, all right. So today we've got a, a busy episode after last week, you know, last week, beginning of, um, sorry, the, the two weeks ago, after um, mm. uh, that episode, I was like, you know what? Uh, we've you know we've gone out there we've put ourselves out there we've kind of flamed uh, moon uh, we flamed Kaveco for the moonman incident all right we're gonna get loads of uh, loads of comments actually not not too many comments on there but at the same time I think there is a sense of okay um, you know what what kind of news is there because I think this summer period it's kind of it's kind of a slow slow time for mm. for fountain pens in general we were supposed to have the uh, the event um, the Tamerikai, which was supposed to happen soon, unfortunately, that's been cancelled, and there's not been a lot of let's say new releases coming out. I think most of us are uh, are eagerly awaiting the two new Shishkura pens that were teased. They were supposed to come out in the summer. Um, apparently, summer's not uh, not in full swing yet, according to to the mm. weather. Now it seems like we're still in June with the, all the Tsuyu and stuff like that, but. Um, but so while we're on the topic of events, there's one new event coming up fairly soon that I think is going to be very interesting, and that is the Inkunuma in September. Right? Yeah, so, and it's going to be in it's going to be in Shinjuku, if I remember correctly, which is an interesting choice. Yeah, of venue. It's going to be, it sounds very crowded. So, <laughs> so I believe um, what's happening there is that they've decided to I don't want to say downgrade, but um, maybe like they decided to to make it smaller so they're going to be doing it at the odakyu department store um and usually what happens in these kind of department stores is they'll rent out uh, an entire floor uh with a theme and i don't know if um if inkunuma has rented out the entire floor just a section of the floor to have that event but it sounds like it's going to be less crowded uh sorry more crowded less intimate it's not going to be a private space, but it gives a lot of good exposure because that means that not everybody, uh, like you're going to get people who aren't necessarily into um, fountain pens yet. They're going to be walking around and seeing these tables. So I, I actually mm. think that's a that's a good thing, and probably that means there's not going to be an entrance fee. But so last year when we had that uh, Inkunuma event in I think Gotanda. And yeah, you have to order a ticket in advance. Right. And I remember you and I, we, I think we were rushing to the nearest <laughs> yes. convenience store to buy, to buy tickets. Like the moment that, that they were open for reservations, right? Yeah. This time, I'm looking at the Bungujo's website right now. They are not going to sell tickets, nope. which means that everyone's going to be there at the same time. Yeah, and um, I mean, I used to work for a fashion brand. And we would be dealing with, you know, these these large uh, department stores like Odakyu, Isetan. And the way that it works is that there's a profit sharing model uh, in a sense. So I believe um, the setup would be that it would be free for 
these uh, companies to actually set up show, um, but uh, the the department store will take a commission off of every sale. So, mm. um, you know, given that the the company um, behind uh, Joshi last year they were running like this Kickstarter GoFundMe kind of kind of thing to even mm. have um, Joshi Haku. What this allows them to do is to really uh, to really get the event going with much less capital. Yeah, that part makes sense, but it's hard to imagine that this would not be popular, right? I mean, any ink event we've been to so far has been massively popular, and I think because there's been so few in-store events, especially ink events recently, right? I think there's going to be a lot of people waiting for a chance to go buy some more ink yeah. after an event like this. I really wonder how they're going to deal with the whole crowd control. Well, I don't know if there's any um, controlling that. But mm. what interests me is that because margins on ink is usually really, really small because they're, they're, you know, they're not expensive products, right? So um, the margin is really, really tight. And I guess what happened last year at Ink Numa is that if you rent out the Gotanda area, um, they would cover the, the venue fee by the tickets sold. So probably what happened mm. last year is that we didn't have enough tickets sold to cover all of the the venue fees, mm. and then uh, if you have to take part of the margin of your sales, which is already tight, you have to share it obviously between the the retailers and the event. Then it might not have been worth it uh, on a profit loss level to hold that event mm. there. But this time, because the venue would be quote unquote free, um, mm. you would only be really sharing the profit between mm. the retailer, um, the event organizer, and the department store. So you, you're adding an additional party to to the um, to like this kind of mélange à trois, I guess. But um, it would be very interesting to see if they feel that this model is more profitable for them because adding in the department store usually they take like mm. uh, like. 20-25 percent um i don't know how much yeah. they're going to take for for these guys but you know we'll, we'll see how they do it but yeah very interesting that they're going to do it at odakyu and it, you know in shinjuku of all places which is very very crowded yeah yeah, yeah I, I read that shinjuku station is the most crowded um train station in the whole world so <laughs> yeah it's probably also one of the yeah. biggest though yeah exactly exactly um but yeah, if I remember correctly, you went last year to the big Bungo Joshi Haku, and that was also during, it was not a state of emergency, but, but, but we, it was already well into the pandemic, and there was concerns about how they're going to do the crowd control. And if I remember correctly from what you said, they didn't do much. It was really crowded. Oh, no, there was no crowd control whatsoever. I mean, you know, people just did whatever they liked. I, I guess people mm. were wearing masks. That's good. But um, but otherwise, mm. it's really you know I'm not expecting them to do any kind of crowd control this time either. Uh, the most they could do is to have like um, you know, one of those uh, barriers that you have at hotels, you know, the mm. the ones with the ropes, like rope it off, and <laughs> and limit the amount of people that you allow into the space at a certain time. But I honestly don't see a, a good way to do that. 
and you know it, part of my last job was to actually go to the stores uh, and I went a lot to the ones in Shinjuku I went to uh, Shinjuku Isatan a lot and mm. you know there were a lot of people so yeah we'll see I mean I'm vaxxed so even if I do get COVID now you know I'll probably won't die probably won't be like hospitalized won't lose you know muscle and and like breathing and stuff like that but mm. um yeah, I guess it's a good reason to go get vaccinated, right? Like to be able to go to these events without worrying about um, whether you're going to you're going to you know be hospitalized or not. And you know, fortunately, Akane is also vaccinated. So I, I don't know is is uh, is your child vaccinated? Is he able to be vaccinated? No, not only is he not vaccinated, but but um, like the city where I live has no timeline whatsoever right now for vaccination for for people age 50 and below because they haven't received enough doses from the government so it's just tbd at this point now for for myself fortunately i can get vaccinated via my company so so on monday gonna get my 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 second dose and then i'll be fully vaccinated but the way it's been arranged by the cities and governments has left some yeah it's, it's not ideal yeah so you probably still don't want to go to this event unless your family can get vaccinated because even though you won't be hospitalized you'll still be able to um be infected and develop viral loads so uh i guess yeah that that would be more concerning i think for you mm. and then uh yeah not to turn this into a covid podcast but <laughs> but um uh, if you read uh, if if you read articles on, on nhk you'll see that this one problem right now and maybe this is a worldwide thing but also in japan that people like younger people are very much in a wait and see mentality here and they are not overly i think like 40 percent of people 40 percent of females i think in in their 20s were in said, said like a, a wait and see and and that is exactly the kind of people who would go to this event yeah interestingly i think um Shinjuku is one of the rare wards in Japan to actually start vaccination from uh, from 20s and then the 60s, mm. 70s, they're actually last in line. So that's pretty interesting. Mm. Anyways, um, we've bought pens, haven't we? I mean, I've bought pens and I believe you have some interesting pens. So let's talk about them. Um, sure. So anybody who follows me on Instagram will notice that I have this kind of a... Uh, weird looking like evangelion kind of looking image as my as my profile picture so that's actually a three tine music nib because i started nib grinding i started making um nib grinding by making these three tine flexible nibs out of pilot music nibs and the reason why i did that is because i saw on i think gourmet pens or something um that she had this flexible waterman music nib and she was comparing like different music nibs and i saw this this flexible waterman music and i was like wow that's that's crazy so obviously i did what a normal person does and i i went on to ebay and i looked up waterman music nib and times like 300 400 or something i was like wow that that's that's too expensive i, I can't i can't buy this um so instead, what I did is I sank a thousand dollars into like materials, into nibs, into experiments to make my own, um, <laughs> as a normal person would do, right? Um, so, so that's why I have this uh, this three tined thing, which is actually supposed to be a nib, um, as my icon. And recently, 
I was very, very lucky to find a a Waterman music nib, a vintage Waterman music nib for sale uh, on Virtual Pen Show on Instagram. And, you know, uh, being that I'd always wanted this pen, um, I'm in a place now where I can buy buy this. Uh, I, I, of course, I bought it. Um, and and it's arrived and Jacob it's it's not as flexible as the ones that I make but it's still really 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 good and you know it's in this like black chased uh, hard rubber um, ebonite uh, pen and eventually I'll probably want to transplant it into a Yovo compatible housing I'll probably ask flexible nib factory to do something like that for me but for now, the, the pen is just, it's just gorgeous. I mean, I'm, I'm very I'm happy with that. But so the, the music news that you've done flex modifications on, you try to, to make it finer nib, right? To, to get maximum line variation right. on, on the downstroke and upstroke, right? That's so right. what about this Waterman music nib in its unmodified uh, state? How, how fine is it? It's not that fine. It's, it's more like a... I mean, yeah, it it is kind of like a stub nib, but you know when when you write with it, I I just flex it anyway, so you don't really tell because it's how should I say it? Um, on the downstroke, I would want to flex it anyways. So, mm. uh, so yeah, I I do think that maybe it's a bit too um straight for me. Maybe I want to you know off the tipping to be maybe a bit oblique but um but i'm i'm pretty happy with the uh, with the nib and um with that i also got a bunch of different pens we talked about this pokemon pikachu pen uh right and i finally received this pokemon pikachu pen um the silver and i have to say jacob it's it's great <laughs> it's a great pen um, you know, what, what's really interesting about it is that I don't know how it was on your nib, but this silver I saw on the, the Pokemon Center website that they say it's a flexible nib. And I was like, that's not a flexible nib. It's just a regular, you know, silver nib. Turns out my mm. nib is actually kind of semi-flexible. Did you have that on your silver? No, I would say it's Fairly stiff, but also this is an 18k nib. So 18k and flex using doesn't go very well together, right? Well, you can get flexible 18k nibs, and I do have them. Not super, super common, I suppose. But you know, Mont Blanc's new calligraphy nib is uh, is 18k and flexible. Really? Yeah. This one is okay. really, really quite flexible. And I think on the website it said um, it would come in F, but I got mine in M and. As far as I know, everybody else that I've talked to got theirs in M too, so I don't know what's going on. But you know, more tipping for me. I'm I'm happier. Um, the snap cap is just very very satisfying, and you know, it, it's a cool little pen. Can't wait for it to tarnish. This will be an iconic pen. Yeah, this is an iconic pen. Um, so she's using it right now, and uh, we've got a what do we got? We've got um, I think it's called um Golden Sands, Diamond Golden Sands. So it's like a uh, or, or or some other diamond um, shimmering, uh, a citrus ice, 
uh, yeah, we've got citrus ice in there, which is a shimmering ink, which, you know, some mm. people might like, oh my God, you put a, you put a shimmering ink in such a high end pen. But yeah, honestly, um, you know, that's what makes, uh, makes it fun for us. Sure. I'm not done. I got more pens, Jacob. Um, I got, I, and I can't believe I did this, but I got an Aurora sun moon lake pen. Um, and this pen is fantastically beautiful, you know, very, very light blue, um, almost tealish kind of color, uh, whitish in a bit, in a, in a sense as well. Um, Aurora uh, in their Sun Moon Lake edition. And it depends on the edition, but some of their, these special editions, which, which honor places have steel sections, or, or I believe actually it's, uh, it's sterling silver sections. Um, but this Sun Moon Lake one has a plastic section um, and it's got this blue enameled fillings in the in the cap ring and on the finial it's actually a um, engraving of a sun and a moon and these stars. And I got that in um, I got it in the uh, in the Gotia M nib. And now for those people who don't know, Gotia nibs are what uh, Aurora called their in-house um, Naginata style nibs. And Jacob, you've played with one before, right? Yeah, I remember I borrowed uh, Kohinatas a while back, but I can't quite remember how it was. I think I saw it as well with you. Um, and um, yeah, I, I did remember seeing that nib and I did recall it being like, um, I think you said it as well, not very sharp. And um, at that time, I felt like, okay, this is just, you know, a bigger blob of tipping. This nib that I got is extremely sharp and extremely well ground, actually. Very, very handsome. The reverse writing is not the best, but um, but I have to say, uh, Aurora did a very, very good job. Maybe they got better at grinding these nibs, but they did a very good job at this Naginata. I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. And this on a rose mm. gold nib. Um, and what's interesting is that the material is actually semi-translucent uh, and obviously it's a piston filler. So when you fill the ink, you can actually yeah. see it underneath this uh, this material and it looks like an underwater lake. That's nice. Yeah, and, and the reason why I got this pen is because, you know, I was born in Taiwan. So it's not very common that you have a pen that honors... Um, that honors Taiwan, so I, I I really just wanted to to get this pen. It's it's a very very nice pen. So on which Aurora models can you get that nib? Do you have to get like one of those limited edition? No, I think Aurora's? you can get it on pretty much any edition. I bought mine uh, from Nibsmith, uh, and he, he he had several different choices of of nibs mm. um, available. So I, I paid a premium for this. I mean, this was a very very expensive pen, but. Um, you know, for me, it, it's kind of worth it just because of the story. It's when you know where I was born. Um, mm. uh, the pen is is fantastic. Now I really want to get that Fuji pen, but the Fuji pen is like thousand three hundred dollars, so I don't know about that yet. Because I remember someone said, "Now I, I wish I could remember what it was," but someone said that now that these um, Sailor Naginatas are so much more expensive than before, the uh, the Aurora ones are comparatively. If not affordable, but at least it's competitive. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I will agree with that statement actually because you know there are. I think 
you can only buy the Naginata on a black body. But these Auroras yes. are just... They're really pretty pens in general, right? Like, just in general, they're they're extremely beautiful. Um, and now you can get Naginata nibs on them? Uh, why would I get one from Sailor? I think that's the, that's the thinking, right? But that's always been the thing about Japanese pens. Like, uh, nice-looking barrels or interesting nib, pick one. Yeah, so so I think like Aurora's really doing a good thing here. Um they're, they're knocking out of out of the park and the pen writes really well. It writes with this nice uh feedback. Um mm. you know, I don't have a bad thing to say about the pen other than that it's very expensive. Oh, no, I do have one thing, Jacob. And this is something that you'll appreciate, but I'm like really irked. So, I don't know the percentage of the population uh, how much how much um how many people are right-handed or not, but I'm right-handed. So uh, this pen has an engraving on the body because, you know, I think Italian pens, usually they have these like engravings. I think it's very, very cool. But I don't know if the founder of Aurora was like a left-hander or something, but in my right hand, the engraving is in the wrong direction. So I can't actually read the engraving (laughs) when I'm holding the pen. I'm like, Aurora, come on, what are you doing? But obviously you're left-handed so when you write with a pen like you'll probably appreciate that oh finally they're making imprints for me <laughs> yes i'm not sure how much of a need i have to read the engraving while i'm yeah. writing but uh, maybe it's a nice touch but i mean the engraving but, is not uh, super obvious so i'm not i'm not super hot and bothered by it so i'm not very familiar with aurora pens at all but i've heard on a few occasions pe- pe- problems with the pen like splitting in two is that is, is that a thing or is that just an isolated incident so um i didn't want to bring it up but i actually bought another aurora pen on mercari and um and as i uncapped this pen uh i heard a crack and i was like oh and the section i noticed was not in the right place i pushed it a bit and uh, it just completely snapped off so um, this pen was originally bought from Kingdom Note, so I'm gonna bring it out to Kingdom Note tomorrow. But but it did happen to to that pen. Um, oh really? It's not happened to any of my other Auroras though. So so we'll see. Maybe there was like a, a um, an issue in the batch in that particular batch. But the interesting thing is that it's not the it's not the the Aurora light or the Aurora Lloyd that splits because. Um, I've done a breakdown of the Aurora 88 slash Optima um, body. I've taken it, you know, completely apart. I've, I've showed these parts around. It's on my Instagram. It's on my website as well. But one of the interesting things about the Aurora is that you can um, you unscrew basically the the nib unit. You unscrew the section, and then inside the piston filler is not actually the entire body. There's a internal tube which is the piston filler, which means the ink does not actually touch the auroraloid. Now, I would understand if the auroraloid had this issue with, you know, with snapping because it's not the same as the regular plastic parts, but the part that actually snaps on these auroras is the plastic bit. So Mm. that to me is a bit curious. That is still a thing? I mean, this pen was bought like in 2018, so... Um, I've not really heard recently, but I I do know that this this was slash is a problem. Mm. Yeah, but Aurora. Given how often this this happens, I think Aurora would fix it. I'll, I'll find out soon. I'll report back. Sure. I got more pens, Jacob. 
Um, <laughs> I got a round Doric from Mr. Stacy Hills from uh, Paper Wants a Pen. And this round Doric really, uh, it's really nice because it rounds off my, my uh, I have already a facet Doric. Um, and it rounds that off. The nib is a bit smaller, but um, but it's it's a very very nice pen, very beautiful. Um, Stacy, if you're listening to this, I, you know, you're killing me with your with your fantastic restorations. Absolutely beautiful. Haven't written too much with it yet, but it does have a wall ever sharp um, flexible nib, and it actually does say flexible on the nib. So very eager to try that out. I'm not very familiar with those pens, <laughs> but but aren't Doric's the ones that have that like justice like adjustment so um the the adjustable nibs did come in dorix but not all dorix came in adjustable nibs i see see. yeah and uh okay jacob not done with the pens i got another pen um this one was very generously sent to me by esterbrook um i got their sea glass sd now I don't think we've talked about Esterbrook at all, but we have talked a lot about Fine Writing International. And I, um, I did hear on a, a separate podcast um, before where I believe Esterbrooks are actually made in Taiwan. And looking at the body, um, it does look like they are made by Fine Writing International. It's complete with the, um, the, the, the um, cap seal, the, the push the push seal where it's spring loaded um the shape is, is very much reminiscent of fine writing is this confirmed that it say it's made by fine writing or is this just it does not say that it is fine writing but i believe one of the esterbrooks guys mm. uh they, they want to interview with um with the bent tines podcast where they did say their their pens are made in in Taiwan, so I've not asked uh, fine writing, but mm. you know I don't think they could find a a better partner, a better manufacturing partner, because fine writing, as we know, they make just fantastic pens. The spring loaded cap, it's it's great, it's fantastic. I wish every pen came with the spring loaded cap. But this is not the kind of pen that you would normally buy, right? It, it's almost like the antithesis of of a, of a CY pen, right? It's a cartridge converter pen. It has a Jovo nib and it has a steel nib, right? So <laughs> it's not the pen I would expect you to buy. So this is an Akane pen for sure. Uh, she picked out the color. She picked out the size. Um, mm. So the steel nib that came with it, it's great. Came with a medium steel nib. It's fantastic. It also came with this Esther book, uh, kind of like it holds your book open, which I've been using, which is really, really good. Came with a stamp as well. And I'm actually a bit conflicted because Esterbrook, like the vintage Esterbrook, um, was known for making steel nib pens, uh, affordable steel nib pens. So um, even on the on the stamp, it says uh, Esterbrook steel pens. So so I'm a bit conflicted because you know on one hand I'm sure the Esterbrook steel nibs are fantastic. It's a good callback to mm. their heritage. They didn't make gold pens. Um, but on the other hand, I am a bit of a gold snob. So right now, I do have a Pilot size 15 soft fine in it with a ebonite feed. I feel like you're a little bit conflicted because it is not the kind of pen that you would receive, right? And I think that is a very common thing. I mean, I've also received pens from various people, and this is not the kind of pens I would normally buy. So the question is, how, how do you describe those pens in right. a way that sort of retains your authenticity without being uh, rude to the brand. So, so I actually think the pen is really good. 
Um, I think the pen is is well made. It's well built. The threads are great. They're smooth. Again, the the spring loaded cap. It's fantastic. The material is extremely extremely beautiful. And the good thing about you know about Tokyo Station pens is it's that obviously it's me, um, eighty percent ninety percent of the time. But it's also partly Akane, right? So um, so the cats and you know the the washi tape and and the hobonichi. That's mostly Akane, and and she. She's uh, she's someone who writes with all sorts of pens. So, so when I get these pens, I hand it to her and I say, "Hey, here's a pen. I want you to write with it. I want you to tell me what it what you feel about it." And that's actually in a way even better because she's not like super researched into pens. So she's coming at it from a regular everyday like user perspective, right? And I think, um, you know. If this were a bad pen, I would definitely either one not say anything or two say that it's not a good pen. But I think this pen actually it's it actually is really really good. The size of it is really good. I don't have the oversize. I have the regular size. The size is really good. Rests on my hands. You know, it it can post uh, kind of securely. I've just posted here. I'm not I'm not going to do that because I'm not a monster. Um, but but I can post if you want it to. The material is 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 great. It's like this crushed material. So I don't necessarily think that like just because I wouldn't use it on my um, my regular uh, rotation, I don't think that necessarily hinders um, my ability to receive and, and review these pens, or at least not. It doesn't re- hinder Tokyo Station pens in reviewing it um, because I do have somebody here who who helps me out with these pens. So I'm very uh, grateful for that as well. So you're saying that I mean, the TLDR of what you're saying is that Tokyo Station Pants is, a two, is now a two-person operation and it, it is the, the second person here that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's actually always been, but um, it, it's been like that from the very beginning. Uh, you know, uh, She monitors like my, my likes and my comments and stuff like that. But it's just that on the, the writing front, the content creation um, part of it, putting it into words, that's more of like my, uh, my part. Right. <laughs> new information. Um, all right, so last one is it's not a new pen per se, but I, I did want to uh, drop a note that uh, one of our favorite pens, Moonman um, T1, um, I, I, I kind of, in a fit of madness, uh, decided to engrave my Moonman T1 in this Karakusa uh, pattern. And I'm very, very happy with, uh, with the way that it writes uh, right now. And I'm very happy with the way that it feels. I think, you know, with these metal pens, one of the the common things that people say about it, it's kind of slick. By by doing this engraving, I've actually added a lot more texture to it, so it feels really good as well. Yeah, I I think I, I saw that. I'm, it's it's um, you you done experiments on the Moonman before, and this is more elaborate than what you've done in the past. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So yeah, it's been a it's been a huge two weeks of pens for me. How about you? Yeah, so in the last episode, I said that I have ordered some other Chinese like Naginata style names, but they hadn't arrived yet. Turns out that they arrived the day after we recorded the previous podcast. So I got both a pen by Hongdian, which, uh, with a new like, Naginata-ish nib. And also I separately ordered a Kaigulu, which is only a nib. And with that one, I'm not entirely sure if it's a factory nib or if it is a or if it is an aftermarket grind. It was it's always kind of hard to tell uh, on AliExpress, but the the, um, 
the Hongdian for sure. I mean, looking at the product photography and so on, the clearly it's a it's a factor offering. So I'm not sure if you saw. Actually, first of all, uh, let me send you the link if you haven't seen it. So I did a post about these pens. And I compared them. So if you look at the second photo on this post, yeah, I've I've seen it. How would you describe the, the three grinds? Um, this Sailor NMF is that is that factory? Yes. So that must have been a Nagahara era grind uh, and it is a bit curved but not as curved as what you see on this uh, Kai Galu um, mm. and what you see here in my opinion is uh, different philosophies especially of Chinese grinders right now um, on what kind of shape best suits the different types of Chinese calligraphy because mm. Um, you know, in in English, you have block print, you have cursive, uh, and then you have you know the various like scripts like uh, um, like uh, unshill, uh, round mm. hand, and etc. etc. Um, uh, broad edge, etc. And when in Chinese slash Japanese, you have very much a uh, similar thing, right? So uh, in mm. the Japanese, you have gyosho, kaisho, sosho. That's just some of them, and uh, and for example, in social, you don't lift up the pen from the paper. So, um, if your nib is too thick, like this uh, NMF or the pen BBS number one, that might not be the mm. best uh, nib to write it. Whereas the Hongdian mm. looks like it, it would be pretty good to to write that kind of a script. If you're writing more of a uh, Kaisho style, maybe the NMF would be would be great, or even the Kaigalu. If you're writing more of a gyosho style, then maybe the pen BBS number one would be good. So um, I think it's a, it's a different takes on how a user would want to write with their with their pen. They're all different, and I'm sure they're all different takes on how you do this. And I think that that's what is so interesting to me that there's more like, there's more than one idea of how, how to do a, 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 a naginata style grind, for lack of a better word. And if you look at these, to me the pen BBS looks like somewhere between what you might call a fat nag in a zoom almost. Mm-hmm. While the Hongdian looks almost like a rounded architect. Yep. And I wonder if, I think we talked before about, there were these Mont Blanc pens, I think in the 70s, with some kind of EF grinds that perhaps accidentally lended itself well to Chinese calligraphy. And I know that there are people in Taiwan in particular that are chasing these 70s um, Mont Blanc pens. I wonder... If this Hongjian is partially inspired by that kind of grind, well, the Naginata itself was inspired by Mont Blanc's, you know, f- um, older grinds. So I'm mm. not like super, super surprised. Um, yeah, but there, there's a lot of research, I would say, into how to grind um, nibs mm. for Chinese cal- calligraphy in the last, uh, last few, I'd say, years. So mm. yeah, for sure. The Hongdian is definitely very like, thin and, and sharp, and you get a lot of you get this architect-like uh, line variation if you write just you know Western block lettering. The more I use the Hongdian nib, the more I enjoyed it. The problem I have with a Hongdian is it's a very simple one. It's it's a small nib. It's a number five size nib so that limits the number of pens I, I can right. use it with. Um, but yeah. I was particularly impressed by by the Hongdian. Actually, even more after writing that Instagram post, uh, I've used it more, and I really like that Hongdian grind. The Kaigalu, on the other hand, is 
I think there was there's not enough tipping for it to be interesting here. It it's it's a little bit boring to me. I don't think it's a problem with the tipping, but I think it's grounded in such a way. It kind of looks like an old style, uh, like a Nagahara senior style Naginata. But it's almost too too round to me yeah. as in just a normal round nib. There's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. it does look like a much more like a round nib, um, mm. which senior is more distinctive for. So. I think a lot of like people who actually write with their pens prefer junior style grinds. But I do suspect that that is not actually a, a factory grind, but, but an aftermarket one. But yeah. uh, uh, I'm hoping now that, that Hongdian will make a, a bigger version of this nib. I definitely would, would want that. And I'm hoping to see more of these Chinese uh, nibs. And we know we talked before about how PMBBS is coming out with various new, I think it's three new kinds of calligraphy nibs. And that would be very interesting to see. Yeah. And on top of that, PenBBS, uh, as I just talked to you right before we started recording, is uh, is releasing for the first time gold nibs, um, and, yeah. which are also in this Naginata style. I'll certainly get one. Um, it's not the, the hand-engraved ones that we've all been wanting for, but still, I think it's pretty cool. I would like to try that one as well. I'm not sure if I'm willing to go through a Taobao forwarder or if I will just wait for Etsy. That we'll see. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, um, look at it with a keen interest. Yes. So the other thing I wanted to talk about is is the glass nib. So I I finally broke down and got a got a glass pen. So we have spent many episodes now talking about this glass pen frenzy in Japan for the last few years. And I think even in our little Tokyo pen group, I think everyone now has become a glass pen converter. I think Quay was probably one of the first ones. Alessa has probably the entire Okamoto lineup at this point. You and I were probably the last holdouts, but you got that two glass pen, I think, last year. And now I finally got a glass pen a few weeks ago. So I, I have to um I have to say that I actually got a glass pen before COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got the Matsubokuri um with the ah, with the yes, ink inside yes. of it. Uh, I got that from, I was like hunting it everywhere. I got it from a little shop in Hiro. Um, and I actually, uh, I had Italian glass pens for like almost a decade. Yeah. But I've never used it. <laughs> so anyway, there was this, um, there was this glass pen event at Marazan a few weeks ago and I happened to be in the office. So I stopped by and I tried a few and there was this brand that I had never heard about. Um, but I ended up getting one glass pen, I think it was like between six and seven thousand yen. Um, and it had this lovely broad nib that had this perfect amount of, you know, this pencil type feedback and it's just, just the right size for my hand. So I ended up getting that one. And I've been using it now for a few weeks and that made me realize a few things about glass pens. So first of all, we have made fun of Tone and Limbs for having these like like dirty water kind of inks, right? It seems like there's not enough dyes in the ink to mm. to show off any colors, right? And, and indeed, if you do use these inks in fountain pens, especially fountain pens with finer nibs, they, it's almost illegible, right? They're not really suitable for for fountain pens, not because ink, like shimmering particles get stuck, but because the ink is just too light. But I tried some of those inks with my new glass pen and, and that, that's fully legible. So it made me realize that some of these, uh, especially the toner limbs inks are probably made yeah. with the glass pens in mind. Another thing is that 
I, I tried a few shimmering inks too, and I had no problems with that whatsoever. So I talked previously about, or we talked about how there's been this debate in Japan in our little glass pen community about whether shimmering inks and pigmented inks are suitable for glass pens. And there was this viral tweet by Sasse saying that that's not the case. They're not suitable for glass pens. But I didn't have any problems. And then I read the latest issue of Shimino Bungabaka. So I finally bought the latest issue. And there's actually one page or maybe two pages that talk about how the, the nibs themselves mm-hmm. are made and the various you know, design considerations that go into that. And, this, and, and it says that it all depends on the number of grooves and the, 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 the depth of the groove. So the, mo- the more grooves you have and the deeper the grooves are, the more ink the, the nib can hold, so the more you, you can write. But that's also how you potentially get particles stuck and need to spend more time cleaning the nib. While if you have more shallow grooves then you know we're not going to have any problems with pigmented inks and shimmering inks and i think that that's the case with, with my glass pen because i had no problems whatsoever with them um, with either of those kind of t- types of inks. yeah and there was quite a pushback you know from different like ink makers even glass pen makers uh, at the time as well so you know maybe sassy does it one way but other people are doing other ways so yeah, and I think we said at the time, which is true, that Sasa is one of those venerable makers. They've been around forever, and they probably yeah. <laughs> they're caught off guard by this shimmering inks trend. Yeah, um, I was with our uh, good friend Inky Rocks um, last, mm. uh, I think, weekend, and we went out to to Ginza, and mm. you know we walked around, and she actually bought a uh, a glass pen from um, from Helico. Helico has been making right. these glass pens with caps. And the great thing about a glass with a cap is that you can bring it around. Mm. Uh, what's interesting about Helico is that apparently they are sourcing their glass nibs from the U.S. So they're not making the their um, glass nibs in-house. And the material that they source is also from the U.S. So they source this like water mesh material. I mean, it's a very beautiful material. Um, and, you know, this this was a great pen it's just interesting mm. to see that there's a lot of um, interaction even between these manufacturers. Mm. You know, Helico, really recognizable Japanese brand, you know, buying mm. parts from the States and then, you know, turning it and then selling it back into Japan. I think that's that's really cool as well. And Helico is one of those brands that are in the very center of this uh, Inkunuma, right? They, along with, you know, Kobayashi and, and a few others they are really have a finger on the pulse I think it, to me it looks like Helico has partially pivoted away from fountain pens to glass pens even though they still clearly sell yeah. fountain pens I think they made a very clever choice to, to focus on, on glass pens yeah I really want one of those with the ring tops um, but they're just right. so expensive all the time, so. right but it was interesting what you now said about the, the capped glass pens so going back to what when we talked about Drillog a few episodes back we said that even though it doesn't really write quite as nicely as a glass pen there are two distinct advantages of a Drillog advantage one is it doesn't choke on shimmering inks advantage two you can bring it to a pen show because you, you can cap it right it turns out that neither of those are really are actually true right so um Again, with my glass pen, I have no problems with shimmering inks or pigmented inks. 
and there are and there are definitely glass pens that are capped. I remember back at uh, I think the, the, the Marazan pen show earlier this year, Que bought one from Ohashiro that had, was capped too. So I, I, the more I'm thinking about, it, the more I'm struggling to see. <laughs> why you would want to buy a drill lug now but like the more I'm learning about what a glass pen can do and um, the more I become skeptical about the, the drill lug to be honest yeah the drill lug is kind of um heavy and kind of clunky but I've sent you a few um screenshots this morning and it seems like some people in the UK have gotten mm. their hands on some drill logs and the review is not good it's it's not good um people are complaining that they can only write half an a4 um half an a5 size page that you know uh ink is mm. like not coming out properly it comes out in like these blobs yeah, yeah. so i'm very curious to to understand how drillog is going to deal with this inevitable like pr crisis that they're going to have uh, since they they made such a splash on social media, in part because of you actually, so um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, so partially it's your fault. Um, but I wonder how Drillog is gonna you know dig themselves out of this hole. Mm. Another thing that we've seen on the internet is uh, is another kind of drill log. You want to talk about the drill log? That, that was this hilarious video made by I think one of the US pen makers. We, we we should we should link to this video, but I don't want to ruin anything. Let's just say it's a very different take on the drill log. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll, we'll link it on uh, on the show notes. Yeah, but yeah, um, so we'll see what drill log does. But very curious, very curious indeed. Yeah, but I would say that in my defense, when I wrote my initial review, I, my perspective was that I've only used this Moonman Moonman acrylic pens. Right. And as you remember, even in my test, I found that the, the Moonman acrylic right. pens actually outperformed right. the, the, the real log. That's right. Uh, now that I have a proper glass pen, it performs even better than the real log. Not only can I write longer, not only um, is it far more comfortable in hand, but it's more pleasant to write with because the feedback is just more to, to my taste. The last part, which is most important, is it's actually far more affordable. So I, I'm struggling a little bit with, with drill log now. The more I get into glass pens, the, the more I'm skeptical to, to the drill log. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see how they deal with that. Yes. I have one more pen I wanted to talk about. I'll try to do it relatively fast. But... Yeah, our friend Shiroko sent me a message earlier this week and there was a new pen she had worked on that she wanted me to take photos of, which often happens. So I was sent the pen and um, it's a Toma. We have talked briefly about Toma before, but there's this um, madman pen maker uh, that also runs the pen cluster shop in in Ginza I think mm-hmm. and I think he's trained with what this is his good friends with Kubo he probably learned a lot from from Kubo he's one of those famous um, uh, nib meisters or, or nib makers in Japan so before I saw the pen in person Hiroko sent me a photo of it and at first thought that this was a pocket pen because it kind of looked like Shown Design Pocket 6 because if you think about the Shown Design Pocket 6 it's like a very small pocket pen but with a relatively large nib compared to the barrel because it's a number 6 size nib compared to the barrel right mm-hmm. now take a Shown Design 
pocket six and you scale it up to like a custom Rushi level, that's when you get the Toma pen, basically. It, it's an oversized pen with a ridiculously large nib. It's bigger than a Namiki Emperor size 50 nib. And you know what? Like, this... We get lots of questions on... Uh... About Thomas, people say, "Have you ever ridden with Thomas before? Do you know anything about Thomas?" We're always like, "No," because they're kind of expensive, right? They're not cheap, but compared to uh, their, their their base models, like the basic models are priced somewhat similarly to Pilots or Damikis, like non Maki Urushi series. If I were to compare them, I would say that a Namiki Urushi series is a Ferrari in the sense that it's sort of the benchmark. It's tasteful, it's thoughtfully designed, and it performs quite well. By comparison, a Toma is like a Lamborghini or a, a or a Pagani. It's ostentatious, it's extravagant, it demands your attention. It's probably not quite as well built, but there's something hilarious about it. Yeah, and the thing with like these Tomas are that like it's they're hilarious pens because most yeah. of them are like like ridiculously oversized it's like writing with a water bottle mm. um but they also have these like smaller size ones and uh I, i've actually put my name down for a toma uh so we'll, we'll, yeah, see, that. we'll see what happens but like it's just, just some hilarious pins so you know it's it's really buying it for that that hilarity that that kind of x factor rather than you know to have yeah. it as a serious writer but um, yeah. interestingly, and I guess this could be a good segue. I know we're almost out of time already, but this could be a good segue. Um, they have a ton of different models, Jacob. And one of their models is called uh, like um, something, something sport. Uh, let, let me see. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that's the carbon fiber one. Yeah. And like um, it's it's called... To me, 55 Sport. <laughs> so, and, and it kind of does look like a Kaweco, like a, like a massive Kaweco. <laughs> so I wonder if, if Kaweco is going to move on to Toma next. Um, but, you know, jokes aside, uh, we do want to give a bit of an update on that. Um, so turns out that the company that owns uh, Moonman, or should we say formerly known as Moonman, um, did indeed register the name Ma John. I don't know why they went with Ma John, um, but they they registered Ma John yeah. in Germany. So there was this original uh, thread on FPN, right, where people discovered that right. Kawig had 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 um, registered Moonman, and that's when I when I also searched the same website. This uh, trademark registry and found that they registered uh, Wingsung and Delight, right? right? So I went to that very same website again recently and I searched for this Mahjong name and I saw that there was this like Shanghai something something trading right. um, had registered this Mahjong name via some uh, some IP law um, firm in, in, in Guangdong. Yeah. So that was, I think that they submitted an application back in, uh, back in April and it was only recently approved and you can already now see it so we were confused in the last episode right we talked about this letter from right, right, right. press release or letter whatever it was from Kaweke and it was mentioned as Mahjong and we had never seen that 
at that right, time, right? right? right but right. now you already see that showing up on, on Amazon and on eBay and so on. So it seems like, like there's like a green light now for the various um, sellers and resellers to use that name. Why did they choose Ma John? What, what, what was wrong with Mo Jiang, their, their original Chinese name? How did you pronounce, I guess? Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess now we're going to buy Ma Johns. I'm still going to call them Moonman. There was one thing that I found a little bit interesting about that. So there was also... A, there was this logo and it said Majon and then it says this design period made in China. Mm-mm-mm. And that tagline for comparison, Lamy has this tagline design period made in Germany. Yeah, so uh, this might be some full out, you know, pen manufacturer on pen manufacturer war. Yes. For me, it doesn't matter. For me, it's, uh, you know, if you make a good pen... Uh, then I'll, I'll buy it and I'll try it out. So, you know, hopefully these companies don't get too caught up in this kind of like meaningless like mm. fight over the, these trademarks. Well, at least at least Moonman or now Majon has products in the pipeline. I haven't seen any photos yet, but there was an, a thread recently on FPN, and we can link to that, yep. that mentioned three new models coming up this autumn. This one called P123, which is some kind of probably Mont Blanc-inspired piston filler. That was what I was getting from it. And then there's a Moonman Capless. I haven't seen any photos. I haven't seen any more description. I don't know what it is, but from the, the name alone, it's very intriguing. Yeah, this, this Moonman Capless, I don't know what that is, but it does certainly... I wonder if they're going to go the... VP route or the um, the Curidas route? Yeah, so we know that this is not the first time a Chinese pen maker has made like a capitalist style pen. So they were back in, I think, the 80s or 90s, uh, some models. I did an Instagram post about right. that a while back and can link to that. But then more recently, there is this brand, uh, the name escapes me now, that has made basically a carbon copy of um, the Curidas. So maybe this is... Um, Maybe there is a capitalist pen trend in China. Right, and then they're going to also make um, this Moonman T3 with yes. an apparently like a draw filler, like a Wingsung 601 a transparent cap. So none of these really actually tickle my fancy at all. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Because I really liked the T1 so much, uh, even though based on the description, the T3 doesn't seem like something I would like, but I'm still interested to see what it is. One more new model or one more design iteration on an existing model is the M2 Plus. So Moonman M2 was probably the first um, Moonman model that became popular in the West. So it it is this cheap and cheerful uh, eyedropper, sort of torpedo shaped eyedropper that suddenly everyone bought like two or three years ago. Now they're making a new version of that with some satin finish and with a screw-in nib unit. So I'm sure that one will do well. Yeah, definitely. So um, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Mm. Yeah, Mahjong. Uh, All right. Um, So we've got a bunch of other topics um, up here. Let me very very quickly run through them. Um, Hobonichi, uh, Hobonichi season has officially started. They have started to... Um, you know, come out with their, you know, one news per day kind of series for next year. 
two things on Hobonichi. The first thing is Michael Jackson. Did you see this? No, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so this is actually pretty big news in the Hobonichi world. Um, okay. But basically what they've done is, I'm going to read it out loud, five days ago. Uh, preview calendar day number nine. Collaboration with the Michael Jackson brand as part of the Hobonichi Techo 2022 lineup. Hobonichi Techo celebrates the multi-talented entertainer and humanitarian Michael Jackson, who continues to be loved around the world. One of the covers, King of Pop, features the album of seven Michael Jackson studio albums. Each album cover is cut out in a circle shape to emulate the look of a vinyl record label. Okay, <laughs> that's a pretty unexpected and interesting collaboration. I want to hone in on this uh, multi-talented entertainer and humanitarian Michael Jackson, because when the words Michael Jackson come to my ears... Humanitarian is not what I think about. Maybe it's not the lost in translation there. So, so the comments are all like thumbs down, no thank you. I'm whether I'm rethinking of whether to continue supporting Hobo Nietzsche at all. I'm very disappointed. Uh, one that just says good grief. <laughs> um, and you know they're flooded with these like, oh my gosh, you need to you know change this. You lost a customer. It's pretty important to know that Michael Jackson is very popular in Japan and I don't think people in Japan actually associate the kind of nasty stuff with Michael Jackson mm. um, what's your experience been about that nothing really um, but what I would be interested to see if like, was there a Japanese announcement as well and in that case was there any comments in Japanese so some people did write uh, to um, in in Japanese on the global account, but now I'm reading the Japanese one and all of them are flooded with English posts. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So that, that sounds like some uh, social media campaign. Someone is, has pointed them to that page. Yeah, but I mean, it's... Yeah, I'm not sure. They might have dug themselves into a, a, a PR hole because I think um, as we read from last time or, or a few times ago... Hobonichi said that the the Western market is one of their growing markets, right? Mm. So so we'll see we'll we'll see what happens with that. But that's that's the first thing. The second thing is they came out with this thing, and I'm gonna send you a link right now. It's Hobonichi no Oto. Uh, that one I actually read about it. Yeah, I even I even even to sign up, and you you can you can explain what signing up means here. But <laughs> so so I, I haven't gone too deep into it. First of all, I found it very weird that they wrote. Hobonichi no Oto, because when they separate yes. those into katakana, what I think of is the sound of Hobonichi. Hobonichi no Oto, um, mm. because usually the no is elongated by a line. The second thing, which I think is even more interesting, is this new lined format. Um, yeah, they, they made a really big deal yeah, about that. I have words about the new line format, but before I go, what do you think? To be honest, I don't have a strong opinion about it. I just found it interesting that they spent so much time talking about how they collaborated with some university, whatever yeah, it was, to come Chiba, up with this yeah. lining. Yeah, I, I don't have an opinion about it. So I'm okay that they have this new line format. My problem is that this is not new because you can find MD notebooks with this kind of line mm. because... Um, so, so in Japan, you can buy various different types of paper. Um, there's like mm. the standard grid, 
Um, and then there's mm-hmm. like the standard dot grid, blah, 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 blah. But for people who want to write a lot in kanji and want to make sure that all of the kanji are the same size, um, what I try to find was things that look like genko yoshi, but I couldn't find it mm-hmm. in notebook form. The only thing that I could mm-hmm. find was exactly this design um, from from MD, but that was mm-hmm. like five, six years ago. So I don't know right. why they, they said, maybe it's new for Hobonichi, but it's they made such a big deal out of, oh, we, yeah. we use like design psychology to create this uh, new format. It's like a revolution. I'm not sure. Well, well, so one thing I will say is that what you sometimes see in Japan is that the notebook makers, they, they try to differentiate not just by, you know, the, the type of paper, but also by the lining. And they often say that this is the kind of notebook, so this is the kind of lining that the successful Todai students uh, yeah. use <laughs> or what I use to study for the entrance exam. And this, this, is, this is the kind of lining you need to be successful, right? So this is kind of a bit similar to that. Yeah. And um, importantly, this paper is not Tomoe River. That is not clear, I would say, because that was one of the things I was looking for on that page. I could not find any mention of the, the paper type. Yeah, so um, that's what I heard, but I'm not sure either. So so I guess we'll see in November when they release, but uh, I might have to just get one of these no autos. <laughs> I don't know why they say it right. like that. But if you look at the website, you, you can you can sign up to be like an early adopter or you can apply to be an early adopter and yeah. you can say why you want to be that and they might give you one. So I, I actually did that. And I, oh, okay. Um, so if, if I'm lucky, I, I might get one of these early. I mean, what I want to know more than anything is what paper they choose because that could even be an indication of what what the main tetrachord is going to look like in the future. Yeah, right? that's uh, that's I think what is the most interesting thing about it. Mm. All right. Do we have time for for one or two last things? Sure, let's do that. All right. So, um, one of the the companies that or the the shops that I really like is Shosaikan. Mm. Shosaikan are unlike different retailers. Do not often come up with like seasonal new products from Sailor. And right. I asked them about this before. I said, "Why don't you make some like?" exclusive sailor pens and they said well everybody else is doing them so we don't want to and so they do really they do exclusive stuff once in a blue moon when you go to shosaiken you feel like they don't even they don't even try to sell you anything no right? they, they seem they, they sales stuff seemed almost too laid back yeah they're just like yeah take a look around who need us, let yeah. us know. Which I kind of like that. Exactly. So it's actually a shop that's, I think, difficult to to go in because it's such a nice shop. But like once you're mm. actually inside, you know, it's actually it's actually quite a pleasant place to be, in my opinion. Except that it's quite dark. Yeah, except that it's quite dark. <laughs> but they've actually yeah. come out with two new exclusive tag inks. Mm. And I think these tag inks that look pretty good yeah i think so too and i like what i've seen in general from tag recently so i think even like starting last year we talked about I mean, uh, taggings and i almost sworn off i almost sworn off the brand at first because the 
the early taggings they were so dry so you know the Gion ink right the Kishi Murasaki they were, I mean they had beautiful shading if you used like a, a cotton swab right but in an actual fountain pen it was almost unusable so I I I was not a big fan of tag at first but recently they had done a lot of interesting store collaborations and the inks are not just you know beautiful they've always been, always been beautiful beautiful shading but they all they nowadays perform quite well so i recently got this um reddish ink the poppy that ink. is yeah exactly um uh it has this impossibly long uh, edo yeah. painting something something name right but it's this this red ink with some of probably the most interesting shading i've seen in yeah. any ink i actually i really love that one and i think so, so that's why i'm more bullish on i'm more, more excited when i see a tagging now so based on that I, I would want to try this new shosaikan one yeah uh and you know that that red ink um it, it's just so weird it, it's it's such a strange ink but it, it's kind of cool at the same time mm. um and these inks i think they look beautiful I'll, I'll be getting a few originally they said that it was going to be limited to 100 pieces each but then afterwards they said <laughs> oh they're going to be in fact, um, in fact, they're going to be the regular production, which I'm very, very happy about. But that was so strange on Instagram. They did the post, yeah, this is a limited edition. Then they did the post, like, was it one day later? Like, sorry, we were wrong. Yeah. This is not the limited edition. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, things like that happen, uh, mm. you know, very easily to, to mistake them. I hope that tag will be a counterbalance to tonal limbs. Mm. I yes. think tag... I just like taggings a bit more. Uh, the bottles are nice. Yeah, so we'll we'll see about that. Yeah, they, they have definitely stepped up their game, and yeah. I, I I'm I'm excited when I see new yep. tagging now. All right, final thing for today, Jacob. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but Ancora recently put on their Instagram. They've they've collaborated with this sprint called um. Aruzaoba, I don't know how to say it. Well, so here's the thing. I thought at first that they were just they were just selling some other brands, right, right, uh, right, product in their store because you know when you go into the Ancora store, it's not just well, it is kind of products from plus affiliated companies, but it's there's some other stuff as well. So right. I thought this was just they were just selling something from an, another brand, but if you go to the link. You'll see that this Al Sabr is actually under like Bungu Dot Plus. Mm. So I think this is actually a plus production. Okay, so so the reason why this product exists is to give a non-alcoholic hand cream like cl- cleaning cream. So that when you touch your pens afterwards, it doesn't affect the pen bodies Mm. i saw that yes 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 who asked for this product (laughs) the product kind of makes sense i'm not sure why plus needs to produce something that probably already exists in many forms but kind of fun yeah it's just quite funny that they're saying um you know because of the alcohol content in um in like the the hand sanitizers when you touch your mm. pens afterwards it could be a cause of like crack or like discoloration or whatever right. so so they came out with this this hand cream 
or this hand lotion actually this this blows my mind i i love that they did it but i also don't understand why that says maybe something about where they're taking this ancora brand right mm-hmm. it is more of a lifestyle you, you know this if you go like to, to like shinmari for example in tokyo you have this like telephonics store it's like a lifestyle thing with various um, yeah 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 all kinds of uh, stationary kind of sort of related product if you're aiming for that kind of store then a product like this fits in yeah i i think it's fantastic that they did it uh yeah. can't wait to see more um so yeah I, maybe i'll stop by ankara see what it's all about but um yeah it's, it's just hilarious that they decided to make this product but yeah, it's not something you would expect like Bungbox or Kingdom Note no. to sell. <laughs> no, not at all. All right, and that's been the episode, a long episode today. Um, episode 38, again, make it an Instagram story, make it an uh, Instagram post, tell your friends, talk about us on Reddit, talk about us on your Facebook groups, talk about it on your Discord chats, talk about it in your WeChat um, groups, whatever it is. Uh, just help us spread the word. Um, it really, really means a lot to us that everybody um, is listening and we definitely want to grow this project so you know all thanks to everybody who's listening and we'll be back next time Uh, with that my name is uh, CY you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on Instagram at tokyostationpens and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh and my name is Jacob I'm Fudafan on Instagram and on Twitter and have a blog at fudafan.com bye 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 bye